Welcome to this Endo Life episode 65. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. So today, as of today, my book is out in the world. Um, Actually, it's out in the world for newsletter subscribers. So if you are a newsletter subscriber, check your emails because at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be emailing you guys with a password for a hidden page that you can look into and buy the book at a special price. So you can buy the ebook at a special price. Um, if you've got a Kindle, you can obviously buy it off Amazon. That isn't at a special price because Amazon um, partially to take dictates the price. And you hopefully, it's Sunday when I'm recording this, by the way. So hopefully, if all goes well you will also be able to buy the print book, um, which is crazy. But I was considering doing a print to order, print on demand rather. And then I was like, mm, no, maybe I'm just being extra. And then so many of you asked me for it that I was like, okay, no, I need to do it. So yes, um, you'll be able to order a print copy of the book to get printed just for you. Um, and that should be out on Monday as well to newsletter subscribers. If um, if it isn't, then it will be out on Wednesday. But I'll let you guys know either way. Um, so, yeah, that's so exciting. And if you haven't heard me talking about the book, it is a nutrition guide and cookbook um, for living and thriving with endometriosis. It has 28 uh, recipes in which are all breakfast recipes um, to help you create the foundations to begin managing your endometriosis. So they're blood sugar balancing, hormone supporting, anti-inflammatory, and I've made them super, super versatile. Um, So if you want to add animal protein, you can. Um, And if you want to have them as snacks or lunch or desserts, believe it or not, there are so many recipes that you can kind of double up as different types of meals and mains and stuff. So um, even though it's a breakfast-themed recipe book, you can do so much more with it. And the first half of the book is packed full of science, research, studies, evidence behind nutrition, medicine for endometriosis. Um, And it's kind of a mix of my reflections on my journey with healing endometriosis, but then also, um, you know, all of the studies that I have discovered and learned about um, as I've trained to become a integrative women's health coach. Um, So yeah, um, it's a really exciting, really exciting week. Um, on Friday, um, now I'm a women's health coach. Um, I am going to begin specializing in endometriosis um, and practicing in January, um, opening my practice in January. So yeah, it's a really, really exciting week. I have poured every ounce 
of energy that I have has gone into this book. I'm not even joking. I cannot tell you how much has gone into this book and how much it has challenged me. Um, There have been a lot of tears, but I'm so, so bloody proud of it. It's something that I wanted to write five years ago, but I was trying to be a responsible person and not put something out in the world without a qualification um, behind, you know, behind my name and making sure that everything that I was sharing with you guys was, um, you know, rooted in research and Um, so yeah, I really, really hope that it helped you. Um, I would absolutely love to hear what you think. If you buy it off Amazon, please do leave a review because by leaving a review, you're helping others to discover the book because Amazon will promote the book more with more reviews. So please let me know how you get on with it. I really, really hope you love it. And I would love to see pictures of you guys holding the printed book if you get it because that is just insane um I've wanted to write a book since I was like a child like that's kind of always been my dream to write a book so um it would be great to see to see your pictures um and yeah use the hashtag owning this endo life um show me the pictures of recipes you make or your progress um I would love to see how you guys get on so thank you for all your support and um yeah I just hope you love the book this episode is sponsored by my friends at BU BU patches are naturally made patches that like a plaster stick onto your abdomen or lower back and deliver soothing relief to painful cramps with natural essential oils as you might have guessed from all the reviews I've shared, BU period patches are proven to be hugely popular in the endo community. And as a result, the BU team have been getting great feedback about how they best work for the community. The patches are most commonly used in the morning before work or school and in the evenings before bed so that people with endo or painful periods can be prepared for the day ahead or get a better night's sleep uninterrupted by pain. If you're anything like me and your periods come at night, these patches might make all the difference and they they certainly do for me. They help me sleep through, whereas before I'd wake up in pain. They come in a pack of five, so they should last for the majority of your period and you can subscribe to get them every month. They're $6.99 for a pack or $4.99 if you go for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. This guide is perfect for anyone just starting out on this journey of managing and reducing their symptoms. This 16-page guide takes you through the natural treatment options and holistic lifestyle changes that I made to begin reducing my symptoms. If you're feeling overwhelmed by which type of complementary therapy to choose from or you're a bit confused by the endometriosis diet, this guide could really help you to get a good overview and allow you to begin taking steps to feeling better. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis but it does provide you with options that helped me to live well with endometriosis so you can begin experimenting or finding out what works for you. To download just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. So today's episode is going to be a bit of a different one. I have asked my uh, newsletter subscribers for their top top questions on nutrition for endometriosis and I got so many questions that I couldn't fit them in 
to my newsletters. So I thought that I would answer them on an episode. And I'm not actually sure I'm going to get through all of them in one episode. We'll see how long this goes on for. Um, so maybe there'll be a part two. But um, yeah, I'm going to read these questions and freestyle with them. So I've got them written down um, in a notepad. So you're going to hear me like messing around with pages and stuff. Um, so let me find the first one. What diet change would you say is the most beneficial? So obviously everyone is different when it comes to endometriosis um, and in general. We all have different triggers. Um, we may have different kind of some gut health issues that are affecting the way we absorb nutrients or the way we react to certain foods. So that is going to really determine... Um, the, the impact of these foods on, on endo. But from my research and my experience, I would say that sugar, reducing or eliminating sugar is, my, in my opinion, is the best change to make. And the reason why I say that is because sugar is an inflammatory food. Um, it heightens inflammation. So one way it does this is by stimulating the um, release of inflammatory prostaglandins, they're, they're inflammatory chemicals, and on top of that inhibits prostaglandin, the anti-inflammatory prostaglandins. So there's two kinds, and there's an inflammatory and a anti-inflammatory, and sugar actually inhibits anti-inflammatory prostaglandins whilst raising inflammatory prostaglandins. And on top of that, inflammatory prostaglandins have an effect on uh, on estrogen production and we know that we want to be careful with estrogen it can actually what they found in um in the pelvic cavity where endometriosis can be found is that the there's higher levels of prostaglandin 2s prostaglandin 2 i think it's prostaglandin 2 which is the inflammatory one i don't have the notes in front of me but um so the inflammatory prostaglandin is found in higher numbers in the pelvic cavity around the um, around the endometriosis, prostaglandin E2 actually triggers the production of aromatase, and aromatase is the enzyme that is responsible for making estrogen. And then, what's even more twisted <laughs> is that estrogen can actually, in turn, trigger the production of prostaglandin E2. So it's just this you know, this circle that goes goes round and round. So adding sugar is essentially your, you know, you're adding fuel to the fire. Another reason why sugar is one that I would want to lean away from is that sugar actually has a, you know, a really negative effect on our blood sugar balance. It will cause our blood sugar to spike. It will cause insulin to um, be pumped out really, really quickly to clear up all of that blood sugar, that is going to trigger the production of cortisol uh, because cortisol is what happens when our body is stressed and our body gets stressed out by actually like a lot of sugar. Um, and so that then has an impact on our sex hormones because our body prioritizes cortisol over our sex hormones um, and that can cause to imbalances with our hormones including excess estrogen or estrogen dominance not in everyone but it will in some form be having an effect on your sex hormones so if you you know if you want to 
work on things like your fatigue, your brain fog, anxiety, depression, PMS, bloating, all of those things, those are, you know, linked to our hormones. And so if our hormones are unstable, then we're going to be having worsening symptoms like that. And from a personal point of view, sugar is my number one enemy. (laughs) You know, if I have sugar on my period, it will make all the difference from me being able to stand and feel fine to me being on the floor in the fetal position. Um, And it, it's such a powerful substance for me when it comes to inflammation and it is an inflammatory food group. There's, you know, there's no question about that. You know, sugar has been found to play like a big role in chronic diseases, um, in like aging, in just, you know, slow cognitive functions, so many things. And blood sugar instability can actually feel a lot like anxiety and depression and create really big mood swings. And what happens after you have a blood sugar um, spike is then your blood sugar massively drops because insulin has worked really hard to clear all of that out. And then you feel super, super fatigued. So if you're struggling with fatigue, then adding sugar is is not going to be helpful here. So I would say that sugar is the number one. And I would imagine that a lot of nutritionists would would say the same, to be honest. I would love to go into that more in terms of talking about other food groups, but you've asked for one, so I'm going to give you one. And um, obviously I need to move through and and get some of these other questions answered. Um, Okay, so what should I eat when I feel too nauseous or crappy to eat? So I totally get this. I used to feel like this a lot on the first day of my period. And something that I found really helpful that wouldn't worsen my symptoms was protein shakes. And I have protein shakes every morning, but I I add things into it to make it into a smoothie. But when I had pain or I felt unwell or sick from endo, I wouldn't add anything, literally just the protein. And... um, this is a vegan protein, it's pea protein or hemp protein or rice. Um, I would probably actually stay away from the rice because the levels of carbohydrates in it could potentially maybe cause some triggers uh, in pain, maybe. So I find that protein is one of the least um, aggravating foods at that time. Um, although if you were going to eat protein in like, you know, in a plate full of beans or legumes, then you might have, you might have a problem there because you've got a high level of carbohydrates and that might trick your pain because it gets converted into glucose. It may not, it may not, but I find it does. So, um, very, you know, I used to have very simple protein shakes. Sometimes I would add some cacao powder in there to give me um, a hit of magnesium and a nice chocolatey taste when I wasn't, you know, feeling well, it was nice to have some chocolate and, um, also iron, which is obviously really important when we're on our period. So I, yeah, I think, um, a simple protein shake with mixed with some water or mixed with a nut milk, um, would be really helpful. I wouldn't recommend using cow's milk because, um, cow's milk is often an inflammatory for many of us um 
So I wouldn't recommend that just in case you, you may not necessarily know that it's causing you an inflammatory response. Um, also, I don't drink it, but perhaps bone broth could be quite helpful, especially if you are feeling nauseous. Like bone broth is very soothing and nourishing for the gut. It's very healing for the gut. Um, and then if you really can't stomach anything, then things like peppermint tea and ginger would really help you with easing those nausea feelings of nausea and also the ginger will um, help reduce the pain levels because it's it's anti-inflammatory so those would be oh actually also I think what could be really helpful is I make a protein like hot drink sometimes I haven't really got a name for it yet um, I'm kind of developing a recipe for you guys but I make like a salted caramel it's not a hot chocolate it's just a hot drink um, it's basically like a teaspoon or a bit more of protein powder, vanilla protein powder, cashew milk or any kind of milk, um, nut milk that is, um, vanilla pod, true syrup, so that's inulin syrup, um, you could use stevia, um, and cashew butter and is that everything? Oh, and some coconut butter as well. And so you've got a balance there of protein, fat fiber from the inulin um and protein fat fiber you don't have any complex carbohydrates but i tend to stay away from complex carbohydrates when i am on my period not massively just on the first day i find they can be triggering like i, I couldn't eat sweet potato for example or rice so um yeah i make um this hot drink sometimes i use a bit more protein powder depends how you know hungry i am blend that up and that's and add a little bit of salt um if you want to make it like salted like a tiny bit of salt make it taste like salted caramel oh i missed something chicory sorry that's what gives you the um kind of caramel flavor so i use i think it's called am i making this up hewitt's i don't Maybe I feel like it's called Hewitt's Farm. But it's um, just look for organic instant chicory root granules. And that's why I use a teaspoon of those. Um, and that does give you a tiny little bit of carb carbohydrate, not, not very much. So it's really blood sugar balancing. Um, and I find it to not be triggering. Um, and it's filling as well. And it also gives you something like cozy and comforting when you are on your period. So I hope those are helpful. Um, okay, so let me have a look at the next one. Okay, so is there a safe way to eat a vegan diet for endometriosis? Absolutely. Um, so it is going to vary on your genetics. So if your body struggles to, for example, break down plant protein or convert omegas um, into, you know, DHA or EPA, which is the type of omega that um, you get from fish uh, and algae um, that we use, our body uses predominantly, you may find your, that it's better for you to eat um, fish, for example. The thing, the thing is, is that paleo diet, Mediterranean, vegetarian, vegan, these are all anti-inflammatory diets. As long as you're eating a healthy version of them, they're anti-inflammatory diets. And the reason being is because they have high levels of vegetables and fruit in and also good fats. And 
fruit and vegetables are antioxidants and antioxidants reduce inflammation in our body. So any of those diets could be helpful for endometriosis. But throughout all of them, and I'm going to focus on the vegan diet here, is you need to have a balanced plate of good fats, complex carbohydrates, protein and fibre. And you need to be making sure that you're eating high amounts of fruit and vegetables. Ideally, we're all different, but low glycemic fruits. So fruit, low in sugar, high in fibre. Because, you know, if you're eating things like mangoes all the time and bananas, you're going to be having quite a lot of sugar and that's going to be heightening your inflammation. So reducing your, you know, your inflammatory foods. So that's often things like gluten, cow's dairy, um, soy potentially, um, sugar, maybe caffeine, maybe alcohol. I mean, alcohol, yes, but, um, you know, a glass of red wine once a week isn't going to be the end of the world. Um, what you need, a lot of people say they're worried about protein on a vegan diet. If you are eating a healthy diet and your body is absorbing protein properly, then it will be fine. You just need to ensure that you're eating the right amounts of protein. So for me, I have a protein shake in the morning and I have like beans once or twice a day or legumes once or twice a day. I'm also having nut butters throughout the day. There is protein in vegetables as well. There's protein in things like rice and oats. So I have added my protein up um, quite a few times and I'm literally leaning towards 40 grams, sometimes even towards 60 grams, which is actually too much for my body weight and height. Um, so sometimes I actually need to ease up. I don't really need like all of the protein that I have in my um, in my protein shake. But, you know, things like hemp seeds have protein, protein in there. Um, so it's about adding in nuts, seeds, hemp seeds, um, beans, legumes, pulses, protein powder if necessary. All of these things add up to higher levels of protein. So don't worry about the protein. As long as you're making sure that you're, you're eating the right levels, then you should be fine. If you are worried about that or you're worried about your body's ability to absorb plant, form, plant protein, then talk, talk to a nutritionist you know, keep an eye on your iron levels. But if you're eating a healthy diet, you should be able to get enough because um, you've got iron in things like lentils, cashew nuts, um, hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, kale, spinach. Iron is found in various different vegetables and plant foods. So have a look into that and have a look into your sources. And I actually go through, throughout in the book, I have a whole section on nutrition um, for endometriosis on a plant-based diet because the book is plant-based um, but I make it very flexible to add an animal protein but I kind of give you a breakdown of the main food groups that you should keep an eye on and make sure that you're eating enough of for a healthy plant-based diet for endometriosis. Um, so in that I'm talking about omega-3 fatty acids, calcium, um, iron, B, B vitamins, um, protein, I think that's all of them off the top of my head. Um, so calcium, again, you can get that from so many plant sources. So as long as you're eating a healthy diet, you should be fine there. 
um, omega-3 fatty acids, you would need to be taking an algae supplement. Um, you can't get enough EPA and DHA from a plant-based diet unless you're going to eat a heck load of spirulina. Um, there are lots of omegas in omega-3s in chia seeds, walnuts, flax seeds, but it's not the same type of omega-3 that you get from fish. It's AHA. So you want to be able to get a supplement that is DHA and EPA, which is found in algae. So you could eat lots of spirulina, but it, it just you couldn't eat enough spirulina to be able to get enough. So um Yes, an omega-3 fatty acid. Um, obviously, talk to a nutritionist or professional about taking a supplement. Um, obviously, I'm talking to you as a women's health coach, but I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't make supplement recommendations. Um, and B vitamins are really, really important um, to make sure you're getting them in your diet because they support hormone production and energy. So have a chat with your doctor or nutritionist about finding a B12 supplement or a B-complex supplement that suits you um, because you can get B vitamins from a plant-based diet, but B12 is pretty much almost impossible to get from a plant-based diet. So you would need to have a supplement or something, uh, you know, a spray um, in order to get enough. And that's so important because actually B12 deficiency causes things like fatigue, brain fog, depression, and actually the damage that it can do to your brain neurons is can be permanent if left unchecked. So that's super, super important. Um, obviously, you can talk to a nutritionist about this, um, but you can definitely do it healthily, but you have to do it healthily, right? Does that make sense? Like, you can't just do a plant-based diet and then be like, oh, well, I'm eating a plant-based diet and it will be fine. You do have to make sure that you're eating a healthy version of that, just as if you were eating a meat-based diet. If you were eating burgers all the time, that's not a healthy diet. You're going to get nutrient deficiencies from doing that as well. So it depends on your body, whether you've got, whether this is the right diet for you. It might also depend on what's going on in your body that you might need to address first, like gut health issues um actually I think you were saying um the reader the reader who wrote this who sent me this question said you said that you had problems with beans and nuts so you might have an intolerance there or an allergy or you might have something like leaky gut or you might have something like a SIBO um which is called which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth which is very common in people with endometriosis causes things like bloating um and if you have any of those conditions, then you could be reacting worse to these kind of foods. Um, so it might be that you need to address your gut health first and then see how you react to a plant-based diet. So again, I'm not a nutritionist, but um, this is the kind of stuff that we cover on my course. And um, so this is kind of general education um, on a plant-based diet for endometriosis but you can definitely do it as long as it suits your body. And you can also do a healthy diet for endometriosis on a paleo diet, Mediterranean or vegetarian. So um, yes, I hope that's helpful. Quick disclaimer there, actually. Paleo diet, I'm not going to go into a rabbit hole about it right now, but there are some studies that show that meat can have um, an impact on endometriosis, like red meat. Um, and so 
there's kind of a question mark around there around that because they're not sure if perhaps it's more to do with the type of meat um how it was raised because if it was in a stressful situation it would have had the the animals would have had higher levels of stress chemicals and then if we eat that then that can cause more inflammation in our bodies and things like that so there's kind of debate around meat and its effects on endometriosis but if you are going to eat meat reducing your intake of red meat is generally recommended by all resources that I have read out you know sought out um when it comes to living with endometriosis um so reducing your intake of red meat having moderate amounts of meat lean protein organic and wild caught fish if that's the route that you're going to go down just make sure it's organic or wild caught and that you're not eating huge quantities of red meat because the saturated fat in red meat can worsen our inflammation levels and also may have um chemicals like dioxins in even if it is from an organic source because dioxins have built up in our environment over time and have been passed down the food chain in the fat of animals so you might want to be careful there because dioxins have been shown in numerous studies to have um kind of a heightening effect on endometriosis it's not 100% confirmed but a lot of studies are pointing in the direction that there is this strong associated link between endometriosis and dioxins so that's kind of another reason why you might want to kind of reduce your levels of red meat intake but that doesn't mean you have to eliminate it completely if you enjoy meat or you really feel that that works for your body then that is totally understandable and some of us do need meat I am not I don't believe that the plant-based or a vegan diet is for everyone. Um, I do think it's helpful for the environment, but um, we all have different bodies. So if you're not getting the nutrients that you need from just eating a plant-based diet, then I totally understand that you might need to eat some eggs or you might need to eat some red meat or you might need to eat some poultry or some fish. So just be mindful of where you're sourcing it from and the quantities that you're having. Um, and if you want to understand more about that, that is in my book, um, and Dr. Andrew Cook talks about it, um, Henrietta Norton talks about it. So those sources are really helpful. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in. So you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, if you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. Okay, snack ideas. Um, could you give me any snack ideas for when you're on the go or in the movies? Okay, I'm going to start with the movies because that's fun. Um, and I like going to the movies. So for me, I used to take, um, before I realised like the impact it was having on me, I used to take um, dried mango strips, dried figs, dates, but they're so high in sugar that I can't do that anymore. But I would take like a date or two along uh, like a medjool date if I was in my 
uh, ovulatory phase because I can eat more sugar then and I have less, it has less of an impact on me. But generally I like to keep my snacks, my like snacks for the movies like low in sugar. So I might make my own sorted popcorn or buy like a healthy sorted popcorn that's made with like coconut oil. Maybe I add some cinnamon into that because cinnamon helps to regulate your blood sugar. Um, 100% dark chocolate is amazing. Um, I think the company that I buy is called Montezuma's and also I love Hotel Chocolats. Um, they have these kind of dark chocolate buttons they're 100% um, 100% so there's no sugar in them but they are insanely good and they're like drops that you can use in anything you can use it in baking or a hot chocolate so I love getting those um you could get some medjool dates dip them in dark chocolate 100% dark chocolate stuff them with nut butter if you're in your if you could eat a little bit of sugar just be careful because dates are they're quite high in sugar so I would probably only have one really if you miss um you know like sweets if you really miss sweets at the cinema there are now some alternative sweet companies so if you go to health food shops like planet organic um they do have like cola bottles and stuff made with stevia and things like that you've just got to be careful because some of us can have stomach reactions to it so just see how you feel about that but they're not they're not unhealthy but they're not like healthy so it depends what you're going for you could also take some low sugar fruits along you know, strawberries that you've dipped in 100% dark chocolate. Um, that's always an option. I like to make um, kind of trail mixes. So I break up like 100% dark chocolate with like some dried coconut. Um, I might have a couple of like berries in there, some blueberries, um, some nuts that I like. You could cover some nuts in 100% dark chocolate. Um, also in some health food shops you can now find um these little fudge bars i can't remember the name of them but have a look they're very small and they're made with such a small amount of sugar that one bar is like i think it's like two grams of sugar um so they're really good i also like raw halo does um beautiful raw chocolate full of antioxidants really good for you um plant-based you know it they're just it's just full of lovely lovely ingredients but it's very low in sugar and their bars I think they're I think 22 gram bars are about four to six grams of sugar per bar so that's that's you know pretty low if you're in a point in your cycle where you can have sugar that's pretty low and I found that I can eat I think there's one one of them is four grams of sugar I think it's just the dark chocolate one the plain dark chocolate is four grams of sugar and I find that I can eat that um I can eat about half a bar or three quarters of the bar when I'm on my period and I'll be okay but that's just me so you know see how you feel um what other snacks I mean those are the main one main ones that I usually take oh my gosh okay so <laughs> recently I discovered um karma cola Karma Cola's sugar-free cola is made with natural ingredients, doesn't have any caffeine in, and is only sweetened with stevia. It's so good because I really miss Diet Coke. So the other day we went to the cinema and I had a sugar-free Karma Cola. So I had my Diet Coke, I had salted popcorn, and I had um, 100% dark chocolate. And I was like, this is heaven. And actually also we had cola bottles with us, sugar-free cola bottles. And it was just, yeah, it was heaven. But 
just making these fun little mixes, these you know trail mixes, sort of popcorn, experiment with different popcorn um, flavors. Um, you could make some sugar-free granola bars um, or sugar-free like rice crispy cakes. You could cover like rice, you know, puffed brown rice. You can get that from Biona um, in the UK. Cover it in. Um, I keep talking about dark chocolate, but I'm a chocolate gal. So, yeah, I think all of those are really fun. Of course, you could get rice cakes if you're into more savory snacks. Um, you could create different like flavors with your popcorn if you want more savory snacks. Um, and then if you are on the go, um, I tend to take protein shakes with me on the go. Um, I just make up a protein shake or a low sugar smoothie avocado spinach in there some oats some nuts um and take that on the go I might take a handful of nuts with me on the go um really something that is what you want is something that's going to provide you energy but it's also blood sugar um supporting so looking for something that's got fat in there looking for something that's got a little bit of um carbohydrate and protein in there so you might want to go for some nut butter, take some nut butter with you on the go. You can get some packs on the go or you can make some keto, like high fat, not necessarily high, but, you know, moderate fat, complex carbohydrate, protein bites. So you could do um, some coconut butter balls with, I'm trying to think of a complex carbohydrate that isn't going to be too triggering. You could do something like oats blended with coconut butter and almond butter and um cinnamon and if you want you could put a bit some like dried low sugar berries in so maybe some dried blueberries and that coconut butter if you put them bought those balls in the fridge it's going to set so then you've got these hard kind of balls and you can experiment i literally just threw that off the top of my head um or you could make yourself something like to take away like a, a yogurt you get some coconut yogurt um top it with true does um a company called true in the uk does amazing granola that is sugar-free so you could just make yourself like a little pot of yogurt with some true granola some low bear low um fat berry low sugar berries and top it with some nuts um you could do chia pots, mix some chia with some yogurt um, and add some low sugar berries and lots of nuts and seeds on top. You could make your own granola bars, um, but I would just be really mindful of how much sugar you're using if you're going to do that because so many of them are really sugary. Or you could, depending on where you are in your cycle and what you can kind of tolerate, um, you could ch chop up some vegetables and have those with hummus or have um, nut butter with, you know, a couple of slices of apple if you're in your ovulatory phase and you can take a bit more sugar. Um, or if you are feeling that you can't take that much sugar, you can go for like something like strawberries, um, which are low in sugar and have them with some nut butter. Um, or like I said, you could stick with vegetables. Um, then have a look for things like you can now get like tortilla chips um, or crisps. I guess in America they're called chips, um, made out of beans. So they're going to be higher in protein. So you can definitely get, I think they're called hippie peas. So chickpea bean, um, chickpea 
crisps. You can get black bean crisps now. You can get black bean tortilla chips. So have a look for like bean based chips. Um, or if you do eat um, meat, you could, or, you know, animal products, you could have like a hard boiled egg cut in half, take with you with some spinach, um, a bit of hummus in there, maybe some other vegetables like some carrots. Just take that on the go. Um, yeah, so I hope that's given some kind of food for thought. Um, some good resources are, I've got like some snack recipes in the book. So some of them double up. So even though they're breakfast recipes, you could have them as snacks as well. Um, but other recipe developers that I like are um, Deliciously Ella, Megan Hallett, um, Shannon Leparsky. Who else? My New Roots, Minimalist Baker, they've also got some really good um, recipes as well. Um, if you like, if you can tolerate chickpeas, because not all of us can, roasting a tray of chickpeas and covering them in like paprika, such a good snack, and then just take them with you in a pot. Okay, so another question is, endo sometimes bothers me when I eat carbs. Is this in my head or is it an actual thing? Okay, yes, I'm totally with you. Um, I find that when I eat carbohydrates near or on my period, I get much more pain, especially from things like rice and oats. So my theory behind this is because carbohydrates get converted into glucose. So if you're getting, if you're eating a high level of, um, you know, rice or oats or flour in some kind of form, you're actually heightening your levels of glucose in your blood. And then that is going to heighten inflammation and then cause pain. But we're not alone because research has actually also found that eating too many carbohydrates is likely to worsen endometriosis symptoms. Um, so th I'm actually going to quote Dr. Andrew Cook in his book here. Literature supports the idea that high consumption of added sugars and carbohydrates increases estrogen levels and contributes to inflammation and pain. So years ago, before I started studying this stuff, I was like, this to me, this is what's happening. I need to cut down on my carbohydrates at this time. And I would really up my levels of protein and leafy greens. Um, and I would stay away from complex carbohydrates like potatoes um, carrots, um, root vegetables, I would struggle with oats, rice, um, quinoa. I would stay away from those kind of foods just for about 24 hours to 48 hours. And I would just have a diet of fats, protein, and like low carbohydrate vegetables. Um, and that would work really, really well for me. But you've got to find something that's going to work well for you. But there is science behind it. And if you're feeling that complex, if you're feeling that carbohydrates are worsening your pain, then listen to that and see what would happen if you just reduced that quantity or maybe eliminated a portion of carbohydrates and, and see how you respond to that, even if it's just for a couple of hours and take it from there. Talk to a nutritionist, of course, if you're going to make any dramatic changes, but um, trial and error can also can also help you with that. Okay, um, so this next question I've actually answered in the in my newsletter, but I want to share it again because obviously not all of you are newsletter subscribers. So question is, can you 
um, give me the top three foods to avoid with endometriosis and top three foods to add. So again, it's all about what works for you personally. But gluten and sugar have been shown to worsen inflammation and pain. Um, and when they've been eliminated in studies, they have shown to reduce, it's shown to reduce endometriosis symptoms in patients. So um, I think it was a study of 12 months of, it might have been six, but I'm pretty sure it's 12 months, um, patients eliminated gluten and they experienced a significant reduction in their endometriosis symptoms. But again, it really, you know, it does depend on your own individual genetics and your body's response to these things. Then it gets a bit more complicated. So cow's dairy is very likely to be causing an inflammatory response in most of us because of a specific protein that it's been studied time and time and again, and it, it does cause an inflammatory response in many of us. Um, but then you've also got the problem with dairy of um, hormones being added to the farm animals and that then affects our hormones, um, chemicals, their exposure to things like dioxin um, from the environment and also antibiotics. Um, but goats and sheep dairy may be okay because it doesn't have the same protein in it. Um, so it may not cause an inflammatory response, but then you also need to uh, have a consideration about where they are farmed, like the whether they're, it's organic or whether they've been exposed to any hormones and um, chemicals. So if you're going to eat cow, if you're going to eat goats or sheep's dairy, then just try to go for organic. Um, so generally, gluten, sugar, dairy, or or at least cow's dairy. Um, and if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, that will certainly be adding to your inflammation levels and also causing estrogen buildup in the body because the body treats alcohol as a poison. So it filters it out through the liver. And because it, the liver has to work extra hard to filter out the alcohol, it takes attention away from filtering out excess and old estrogen. So that estrogen gets put on the back burner and it gets reabsorbed back into the body. Um, and on top of that, alcohol has a lot of sugar in it and that creates high sugar levels in our blood. That causes further inflammation and it also has an effect on our hormones, um, as I said, because it heightens, because it triggers cortisol production and then cortisol has an effect on hormones. So if you if you do drink a lot of alcohol, then I would, that could be um, something to consider avoiding. There are some other food groups and I explore them further into the book um, because it, it isn't as clear cut as just cutting out free foods. But I would definitely look at gluten and dairy. If you drink a lot of alcohol, look at that. Um, and of course, sugar is just like the number one inflammatory food. And then the top three I would add in vegetables. They're full of antioxidants and fiber. The fiber is going to help keep our gut healthy and that's going to help to detox estrogen. And also the antioxidants have been shown time and time and again to reduce inflammation. Low sugar fruits, again, very high in antioxidants, high in fiber. Um, just be mindful of how much sugar in the fruits that you choose. And then sources of omega-3 fatty acids. So omega-3 fatty acids has been shown, have been shown to reduce inflammation. Um, so you want to have things like fatty fish if you eat fish, walnuts and chia seeds. Um, Obviously, take a supplement if you 
don't eat fish. Um, and cruciferous vegetables, when you're eating vegetables, making sure that you're up in your cruciferous vegetables because they really help to eliminate estrogen from your body. Um, and also I added a bonus in the newsletter, um, adding ginger root and turmeric powder because they have really powerful anti-inflammatory properties. So yeah, I'm going to stop there because I don't know how long this will be once it's edited, but at the moment it's at one hour, 10 minutes. So I don't want to keep you guys for too long on a Monday. So I'm probably going to do a part two. I've still got about, I don't know, six, at least six questions to answer. So I'm going to stop there. And I really hope that this was a useful episode with kind of little bits of information that are um, digestible for you. And if you want to know more, I've kind of given you a rough overview of the answers. But if you want to know more, you can DM me. Um, I really do dive into these topics in the book. Um, and yeah. And someone's asked, do you talk about the gut microbiome? Yes, absolutely. So that this question was in context of the book. Um, and the reason why I talk about this is because if we, we can do everything right when it comes to endometriosis, eating for endometriosis at least, but if our gut health is not in the right place, then it, it doesn't matter because we might not be absorbing the nutrients. And also the likeness is that we could be having an inflammatory response in our gut. And so people with endometriosis often have a condition called SIBO. And SIBO is a bacteria, a bacteria imbalance. And unless we address that, we're going to be constantly having digestive issues, bloating, um, and this kind of constant upset within our stomach over time can eventually cause problems with our gut lining. And that can cause leaky gut. And leaky gut then causes further inflammatory problems because what happens is food particles that shouldn't be passing through our gut wall are passing through and our immune system is reacting to them, even if they're not an allergen. And then that reaction causes further inflammation. Basically, everything you eat, you'd you'd have a, you're having an inflammatory response to. So, you're just having this constant level of inflammation in your body. So, we need to heal the gut lining. We need to heal the the gut microbi microbiome balance and make sure that our body is able to digest properly digest food and properly detoxify things like estrogen, um, and that our bowels are moving properly. And on top of that. Another reason why this is so important is that in studies on monkeys, it's been found that we are that pe monkeys, not people, monkeys with endometriosis are missing a specific strain of bacteria. Now, what's really interesting is that bacteria inhibits an enzyme, and this enzyme undoes the packaging that our body has done to kind of get old and excess estrogen ready to just get rid of it, basically move it out through our stools and it undoes that packaging and it sends it back into the bloodstream so without this certain strain of bacteria that enzyme is just free to keep putting estrogen back into our body when we don't need it so we need that bacteria in order to inhibit that enzyme and keep estrogen levels in place obviously the study hasn't been done on people but it has been done on monkeys. So 
there needs to be a bit more research but having it's just another reason to know to kind of emphasize that we need to have a good gut microbiome balance so yes I talk about that in the book and I talk about ways to address it um and it's just a fascinating subject I think I could literally write a whole other book on gut because gut health because it's it's such a broad topic and it's still a topic that we are trying to understand so um yeah I hope this episode was helpful and um yeah I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it and looking forward to hearing what you think about the book um I yeah hope you guys have a great week thank you so much for listening if you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.